would like to highlight a local West Michigan organization known as Kids Invest. Did you know that 32% of our Michigan neighbors are struggling to put food on the table? There are many barriers and complexities families face related to hunger, such as transportation, lack of access, costs, and job security. The COVID-19 pandemic has only made this work. Good food is fundamental. At Kids Food Basket, they believe that healthy food is a right. They exist to break down barriers and increase access to nourishing food so that children and families can thrive. Their sustainable, community-driven farming and educational programming, together with their community, they are working towards a hunger-free West Michigan. There are many ways you can get involved with Kids Food Basket. Visit kidsfoodbasket.org to find out how, because a healthy, strong community depends on strong, healthy children and families. Hello, I'm your host, Johannes Boot, and welcome back to another episode of Hot Off the Hip. Hot Off the Hip is dedicated to connecting and inspiring young professionals in West Michigan through shared stories and ideas. Today, it is my privilege to welcome Evan Pazowski to the show today. Evan has had a varied history from Florida through Saline, Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids, Michigan, all the way to Holland. He loves music and public speaking and is currently serving as the development specialist at Kids Food Basket. Welcome to the show, Evan. Hey, thanks for having me on. This is awesome. Yeah. So, Evan, what has brought you to Holland, Michigan? Talk about your history and your story. <laughs> yeah. So, I actually uh, you know, grew up on the east side of the state near Ann Arbor. So, go blue. Got to say it. Um, and then I, you know, I spent a lot of time in high school. I was like welding a lot and I was just all about the trades. And then I was all signed up to go to Ferris, uh, Ferris State University. And I was going to go into the trades, but then I had a change of heart at the last minute. And I decided to go into music and marketing instead. Um, so I spent a couple of years at Ferris and that's what brought me over to the west side of the state for the first time. So I got to see some of the lake shore, got to see what the culture is like over here and still stay true to my kind of Michigan roots, I guess. Um, but then uh, after Ferris, I moved down to Florida uh, to get my first big boy job. And <laughs> so I worked part time as a bartender and I worked full time at the Hyatt Regency, Sarasota which was super cool because it was a really nice resort and they had kayaks and people would pull up in like luxury vehicles. You know, like one time I got to valet a Rolls Royce, you know, some really, really cool stuff. <laughs> um, but then I just decided I really wanted to get back to school. I loved everything that Hyatt had done. It was super cool culture. Everyone there was really fun. Um, and, and, and inviting, but I just decided I wanted to do something else. So I moved back up to Michigan where I still had residency and that meant I could get cheaper grad school <laughs> because I still had in-state tuition. So I decided to go back to grad school and worked as a server for a little bit just to get some extra pocket change stuff um, and went to Western Michigan University where I got my master's in public administration with a concentration in philanthropy and nonprofit leadership. And then after working as a marketing director for a couple of years in Grand Rapids, I finally landed at one of my dream jobs, which is working for Kids Food Basket. 
So that's where I'm at now. I'm at our regional location, sitting in it right here in Holland. Um, and it's really exciting to be here. Um, I just have always wanted to work for an awesome nonprofit, and I'm glad I glad I landed at Kids Food Basket. That's terrific. And we're going to take some time to really focus into uh, Kids Food Basket a little later on in the episode. But I want to focus in right now on what life was like for you as a young professional when you're talking about starting out welding, which is something I actually previously did. I, I was a welder for L&W Manufacturing, did some fabrica- fabrication for their department there. Um, but moving into trades and then looking at that and looking at other opportunities and then you moving around the country a little bit and coming to this realization, hey, I want to do something different. How did you approach all that? What was the lenses you were looking through? Can you give me um, a day in the life sort of experience? Yeah, it's it's weird being uh, a young professional in this space because I've had a lot of different titles. And I think, you know, historically, my titles have probably been bigger than the experience I had to put into them. Um, but it's okay because I'm a bald 27 year old. So I look much older than I am, <laughs> which helps me in a lot of social situations. So I have the you know face of a 21 year old and the hair and atmosphere of a 40 year old. So I have that ambiguous age where I can kind of blend into any situation. And I like to use that to my advantage whenever I can. So um, when I started off with Anna's house. I was there for a while. I was working as the marketing, uh, the strategic marketing director um, over there. And it was a very small marketing department. You know, it was only uh, two or three people at any given time. So with that came a lot of challenges and kind of sink or swim mentality. You know, you really had to, to figure everything out because nobody else was there to support you. So if you needed to learn a new skill or, you know, gain some insight uh, into a new procedure, like you just had to figure it out, which gave me uh, a big toolkit um, that helped me out in grad school and now has helped me out a lot in Kids Food Basket because the nonprofit world is super similar. Like, you know, it, we don't have a lot of resources that a lot of these huge companies have. So we have to learn to do things a little more efficiently, more creatively, um, which is definitely where I like to shine. Um, I like to try and think outside of the box whenever I can. But in terms of being a young professional in here, uh, you know, in this space, it's been really awesome. You know, I think the only time my, my age has been brought up in, in Holland or Grand Rapids is when people say something like, oh, you're you have a lot of experience for your age or something like that, but it's never used, you know, as uh, discriminatory or anything like that, which is really great. You know, it's been a welcoming culture. This has been a story I've heard repeated a lot of times, people saying they can grow their career really quickly here by uh, through the network, the openness, the willingness of people in the community to help and give opportunity and support. And I think a lot of, a lot of the uh, culture through um, the, economic um, programs too that the the city of Holland and Grand Rapids are pursuing through surge and um, smart um, zoning and stuff like that have trickled down and impacted us at this very real level, which is really cool. I want to start out by apologizing. Actually, I had a conversation at my job yesterday with somebody who was going gray and I found my first gray hair and I said, I would rather be gray than bald. 
but it sounds like I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, you gotta go bald. That's the way to do it. Awesome. Now, I, I didn't really have a choice, but now that right. I'm not, you know, doubled down on it, it's great. It's a perspective thing. I love it. Yeah. So when, when you talk about the sink or swim mentality, I have noticed that a lot as well. And uh, it's, it's something that is hard to develop until you develop it. Um, so often it's like, Hey, what do I do? Where do I go? How can, and you've become like, um, I had a manager once tell me that I was a make work. It didn't make a lot of sense until I realized how much work I was making for him by not (laughs) being able to solve the problems and come up with a solution or present a solution right off the bat in your mind. What is the key? When was the trigger point where you realized, Oh, I can actually come up with a creative solution and I should own it versus this isn't my lane. I'm going to let somebody else do it. And what's the balance around that? Yeah, that, I mean, that 100% came from working in the restaurant industry and not as, not as a marketing director, as a server and a manager that like, you know, there's so much urgency that happens around, you know, the day-to-day operations of the restaurant industry that, and so many people overlook it. And at Kids Food Basket, when we're hiring for our internship program, that's one of the first things we look for is a history of restaurant experience, which a lot of other companies don't like will completely look over and don't even want you to mention on your resume. But we encourage people to do that because there's no better place to learn that urgency. I mean, when you've got four tables uh, who are all demanding your attention, you've got uh, these drinks that have to be made, this food that has to be run, uh, this other server that needs support, you have to make those uh, you know split, split, split second decisions and it's hard. So you learn to think creatively to get more efficient really fast. And again, that's where the sink or swim mentality comes from. So when you have developed that urgency and you take it into an office setting, you know, like kids food basket or like Anna's house, uh, you know, in the corporate office, then it's a lot easier to problem solve, but I still struggle, you know, I, I don't know about you, but biggest thing as a young professional uh, with these big titles and stuff, I struggle with imposter syndrome. I see, you know, I see people uh, a couple years older than me who are, you know, directors and uh, who are vice presidents and stuff like that. I'm like, whoa, that's, you know, that's a big title. You know, what experience do you bring to that? So to be able to, you know, be among my peers like that and and uh, have my ideas valued at Kids Food Basket is a really, really important thing. It feels yeah. great. Yeah, that's huge. And how do you deal with um, imposter syndrome on a day-to-day basis? Is is the solution just to focus on adding value or is that uh, just kind of talk to me about that? Yeah, that's, that's a really good, uh, that's a really good sentiment right there is focus on adding value. But I think the, you know, the thing that Kids Food Basket talks about a lot, um, you know, our COO and our CEO are are both uh, around 40 years old. So, you know, relatively young for that position. And they just, you know, they knock it out of the park. They're really talented people. Um, And what they always say when I brought up imposter syndrome to them, um, they say, remember that you are hand selected to be here. We want you for your talents and your talents only. Um, And that kind of empowers me and hopefully empowers others uh, to kind of lean into their strengths and stop focusing on the weaknesses and what they don't know. And remember that they're here because they were chosen. Mm. I think that's, that's so true. Uh, there's a, as, as somebody who's worked in a relatively 
nice role learning and development for a company leading leading that for uh, a local company here quality car wash and then i got demoted to uh a night manager it's not really a demotion uh, it was a lateral a lateral transition sure. Sure. um but it's something that when i talk to people i'm always looking at their eyes and i get super self-conscious about in in either role it was like super self-conscious how are they taking this you know what do they think of me in these roles all this sort of stuff and um, one thing that has really helped me personally is, is just to focus on, hey, I'm here to to affect the people around me and add mm -hmm. value. And it's less about what the guy down the road, how he is more or less qualified than me, um, right. but saying, hey, this is my task ahead of me. Let's do it. And I'll grow or I'll learn. And yeah. so, um, yeah. yeah, that's where that's cool. Very cool. Thank I, you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. It's a big thing. I think especially with, you know, like millennials and Gen Z, uh, you know, everybody's dealing with imposter syndrome. There are a lot of really talented people out there. And even the people like, you know, it's just so easy to share your successes and your milestones on social media easier than it's ever been. So when you see only the successes of people, it's really easy to compare yourself to just the highlights of their life. But you got to remember, everybody's just doing it day by day. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more into uh, Kids Food Basket. Give me a, the Kids Food Basket here serves a really strategic role in distributing and enabling the food so supply chain here for people that are struggling to get food on the table. Can you give yeah. me a little bit more perspective how, how where in the, in the network they fall and how they activate all those resources? Yeah, absolutely. So Kids Food Basket actually started in Grand Rapids in 2002 um, when a principal found one of uh, her students digging through the trash looking for an evening meal. And that was the niche where Kids Food Basket started was that evening meal. So, you know, we go into schools that have a 70 percent or higher free or reduced lunch rate. So, you know, these are schools where the majority of the, the kids are facing food insecurity. Right. Um, not knowing when or if their next meal will come. But through these schools, they typically get breakfast and lunch um, if they qualify for it. Uh, what they're not guaranteed is a meal to go home to at night. Uh, so that's how we started our sack supper program. And with that sack supper, the kids get a barrier-free, consistent, nutritious meal. So they get a fruit, a vegetable, a protein, and a healthy snack. In COVID, it looks a little bit different right now. Um, we want to make sure everything's shelf-stable. We're not sure what the situation's like um, at home, but we're working with you know over 70 distribution sites uh, during the height of quarantine and working with all of our service schools. Um, but that's, you know, that's probably what we're most known for. But in the past couple of years, we've been trying to attack the, you know, the systemic roots of, of poverty. So uh, looking at things like uh, race, culture, economic impact, uh, you know, these these barriers, um, you know, keeping people in poverty or near it. Um, and we've been trying to educate um, our neighbors on what that looks like. Um, and that way, if we can spread awareness about food insecurity in West Michigan, then we can help uh, solve the, those systemic problems. But while we do the, that really big work, we also have to recognize that there's a very real situation at home uh, every night when these when these kids uh, get home from school. So, you know, we are food charity. 
as well as a food solidarity organization. Oh, well, I was recently talking to uh, Heather from My House Ministries, Mm -hmm. and she was really focusing on, hey, when we want to build these sustainable communities, um, poverty is not just economic. There's a lot that goes into it, and we need to work together and find ways to work together. And so when you're talking about uh, kids' food basket and the way you're attacking the roots of poverty, I always I, I come to mind and think about other organizations in this in this community, like Community Action House, mm-hmm. Eighth Day Farm, Helping Hands, uh, maybe some of the other local farms like Unity Acres or Groundswell Farms. How do you work together with them? How do you fit in this space with them? What yeah. does the relationship look like between you and other organizations? That's a great that's a great question. Um, so Lakeshore Nonprofit Alliance every year they do a you know big annual survey. Um, and in the survey last year, there was something like, uh, how, how do you like to, or do you like to see nonprofits collaborate? And there was an overwhelming response to yes. And that makes sense because hunger is such a large issue. You know, you need the food charities, solidarity organizations, as well as the food justice problems to even begin attacking, uh, you know, the the systemic roots of, of poverty and food insecurity. So we look to collaborate with all of those organizations. Community Action House is one of our dearest partners. We've been you know working with them for a long time. They're so awesome over there. Um, and we're actually... Uh, you know, in the beginning stages of building a sustainable farm program in the Ottawa and Allegan area um, and partnering with uh, some of these other organizations to get fresh produce uh, to the kids and families um, who may not have access to that otherwise. That's terrific. Uh, Did you mention also that Kids Food Basket is working on a new facility? Is that the sustainable farm program or is that separate? So that's a part of our new facility, but I'm actually in our new facility right oh, nice. now. Yeah, wow. so that's great because um, we were at Peace Lutheran Church. Uh, we were in the back of Peace Lutheran Church for about five years when we first got to Holland. And that was great. They're so awesome. But eventually we got program locked for space. So we couldn't, uh, have, uh, we couldn't feed any more uh, kids and families out of our facility. Our shelves were stocked full of food, which is a really good problem to have, right? It means the community is supporting us. Um, So a couple of years ago, we started a capital campaign and that's called the Feeding Our Future Capital Campaign. And that uh, has allowed us to now move into our new facility at 652 Hastings Ave um, in Holland. So that's right across the street from where Gook's Pub used to be. I don't know if you ever had their burgers, but they're really good. I hope they come back. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's where we're at right now. But with our, you know, new uh, with our newly renovated facility, we finally had the capacity now to take some of the schools off the wait list. Um, and so far, since we've moved in, we've taken two of our schools off the wait list. So, we are moving forward. Terrific. Yeah, that's amazing. So development director at Kids Food Basket, it seems like you have a lot on your plate, a lot of balls in the air. What gets you out of bed in the morning, man? I'm sure that it could be either an enabling list or a crushing list. Yeah, no, it's actually good. I think the, uh, you know, as heavy as the workload is at Kids Food Basket, it's all stuff I really like to do. Um, so it, it never feels like, you know, insurmountable or anything like that. But I think the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning um, 
is when I was, you know, working in the for-profit industry or, you know, as a marketing person, uh, it was really tough for me to find fulfillment in that. And I don't know why, because I love the idea of those things. And I totally respect anybody who gets fulfillment out of that. It just, I couldn't find it myself. You know, so um, when I started looking for nonprofit work and attaching myself to a cause that I could really sink my teeth into, um, and I finally found Kids Food Basket, I think every day I've woken up, uh, you know, while working here, it's been a lot easier to come here because I know I'm at least trying to do some good in the community. I may not always do great. <laughs> I may fail sometimes and make a mistake. But at the end of the day, we got out, you know, however many thousands of meals and there's a little bit of good that we did. And, and you know, that's a that's a good feeling. Amen. Um, famous, famous um, Simon Sinek, right? Finding your why and sharing it as a company. Yes. And I think that's really true about a lot of uh, millennials, Gen Z, stuff like that. They're really looking for a cause to to get behind and connect with. Mm -hmm. And uh I think also maybe back back of the head philosophy here that ties into stewardship as well. If you think the brand is doing good for the world and using resources well, uh, that goes a long way into getting to a good why versus mm -hmm. something that's um, and and at the end of its lifetime just destructive. So yeah, I totally that's agree. Awesome. Yeah, we <laughs> you know, we talk a lot about in grad school how there's like this emerging fourth sector because you know there's. It, historically, it's the nonprofit sector, the for-profit, and the public sector. But now there's this emerging fourth sector that's like companies who make a lot of money, but also do a lot for community impact, and that's huge. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, like if you can, you know, if you can have sustainable economic impact by paying people living wages, and then invest, reinvest in your community um, to make it better, then that's awesome. And we're seeing a lot of companies do that because people want to buy products from people who are trying to do good. <laughs> yeah. And welcome to West Michigan, one of the largest areas in the country for B corporations. Yeah. There, there it is. It's so weird. So, um, so talk to me, you've got your inspiration, your why. Talk to me about the ladybird side of the equation for getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's my alarm clock. Ladybird, for those listening, is my dog. So <laughs> she's a she's a 10-year-old beagle hound mix. Um, and yeah, if I'm having an issue or if I slept through my alarm by five minutes, she will let me know. She uh, comes up right to the side of my bed, sniffs my face, licks all over my forehead really gross so then i have to take a shower and feed her and get up and stuff so yeah that's probably the more practical reason for getting up every morning <laughs> nice uh you shared with me earlier that you'd rather regret what you've done than regret what you haven't done and certainly taking lady not taking ladybird out for um, her morning stride would be something you would regret not having done uh but talk to me a little bit more about how that plays into your life and maybe share a story or an example yeah, absolutely. So it's it's so funny because I think, you know, the first job I had in high school was I was like working as a receptionist for a retirement facility. And I remember just searching for quotes. I was like, what do I want to like, who do I want to be? What do I want my life to be about? And I found that, you know, I found that like mantra rather what I've done and regret what I haven't done. And I took a label maker because <laughs> I had access to one of those at the time. 
and I printed it on the label maker, and then I and then I stuck that um, uh, label to my steering wheel when I was 16 years old, and it stayed on my steering wheel for probably six years until I eventually got a new car. So it was it always reminded me um, that you know however busy I felt or how overwhelming things got, I was happy I was at least doing something. So that, that carried me throughout college. Um, you know, in, in undergrad, I, I was busy from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. every, every day because I was involved with so many organizations um, and I wanted to go to all my friends' events and I wanted to try and learn all I could. So I just, I mean, I booked myself solid and I remember getting in the car after each of those, um, you know, after each of those sessions and just looking down at my steering wheel. And I was like, okay, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing this for the right reasons. I'm 16 year old me would be proud of 21 year old me, you know, and now 27 year old me, uh, is proud of 21 and vice versa. So it's, uh, there's a lot of things, but a specific story I had was, uh, <laughs> we, we still did homecoming court in in college at Ferris. And, uh, you know, since I was a part of so many organizations, I was like, I should just run for homecoming king. That'd be hilarious. And so I just did it on a whim because I thought it'd be funny. And then I ended up winning and having one of the best weeks of my life um, because I got to do so many random things that I, otherwise I would have never been able to do, you know. For instance, in the homecoming parade, everybody else had like a nice convertible or something that they were riding in. And I was like, how funny would it be if I just got a bus? So I called up the company and I got a giant bus and decorated it with my face. And like all my friends came in the bus and we were bumping Jackson 5 and, you know, waving to everyone. And it was, That's amazing. It was just so funny, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I think the essence... For whatever somebody may think about, um, rather regret what I've done than regret what I haven't done. And definitely that could take, um, you know, um, a negative approach to it. I think the essence of the quote is you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. Absolutely. And when it comes to and when it comes to. Facing tough decisions or making yourself do a goal that, you know, is good for you, but you really don't want to do <laughs> or a ton of fear surrounding that goal and that that's holding you back. I think that quote is powerful in getting you off, off your, off your behind and into action right now. How else do you go about solving problems when you know that you have to take action and you're into it, you still perhaps have these things. Hey, I don't know where to go with my career. Hey, this is a huge problem in our current community. What do I do with this? How do I streamline these resources? All these big problems or questions that we may have, you got to take action. How do you start continuing to keep continuing to solve the problem? That's such a good question and something that, you know, I'm still trying to figure out every day. But I think the the biggest thing about problem solving is, you know, I, I love games. I love puzzles. Um, I love problem solving. It's something I do as a hobby, you know, like uh, my girlfriend and I rock climb and that's essentially just puzzle solving with a, with physicality, you know? Um, and then I also do like Sudoku's and, uh, thought experiments and stuff like that. And that's always been so fun to me. Um, but to take those, um, to take that approach of problem solving and put it in a, you know, it, in an issue that has real stakes, 
Um, you know, it, if we don't problem solve correctly, um, or if we don't do it in an efficient manner, then that that could potentially mean that um, people aren't getting a meal that night, or you know, or we're not attacking the root cause of, of poverty, right? So we have to really be on our A game. So we do that, I think, through collaboration and through careful, careful decision making. And in that planning process, we always try to address, again, like you said, the why. Um, and we've actually been referencing, uh, I forget his name, the, the one that you mentioned, but we've been referencing uh, that, uh, that TED Talk for a long time now, trying to find our why. And as long as what we're doing falls within those parameters of our why, then we're doing the right thing. Right. So that's how we always start to solve the problems. We identify it, we see if it fits within our within our parameters, and then we get creative because that's what we have to do in, in a nonprofit setting. It strikes me as we're talking about problem solving that um, as I think about organizations and individuals who may suffer from imposter syndrome, perhaps as you grow as an organization, maybe you have more credibility and there's certainly a fine line between being too big and too uh, proud or cocky and being really small and saying, you know, there are other organizations that could do this. Should we really take this problem that we're seeing and deal with it? And how do we fit in there? And that side that may push you not to make decisions and the very humble, cautious and careful, careful approach to saying we have to do something. And then the middle line that says, if we take too long, we won't take action at all. Right. Uh, there's a very fine balance there. And that's a beautiful thing to be able to tread it well uh, and get results. So, yeah. Uh, amazing. Yeah. It's uh, it was cool. <laughs> Shouldn't say cool. It was interesting right at the beginning of COVID, you know, when everybody was you know, freaking out um, to see our leadership at kids food basket be really calm. Mm. And within two weeks we had uh, four week plan, a uh, four month plan and a 14 month plan. Amen. All, all scheduled out. I mean, we were good to go. We knew exactly where we were going. We just had to do the work then. And that made it really easy. It, you know, it was, um, it was calming uh, to, to be on the other side of that. You know, that's that, so cool. That we got good leadership that's making uh, informed decisions. And that's a huge role of instability, too. And I'm just kind of talking on a soapbox here. But um, inside of instability, it's really easy to just be like, oh, these the situation is unstable, chaotic. We can't make any decisions. But as an organization setting those goals, and that's a blessing, man, to be able to work in organizations that's like, here's the goals we're going to go towards. This is our plan. We get that the the outside circumstances and the current environment is chaotic. And we will revise the plan as needed, but let's stick to it right now and take action. No, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, it's crazy how, how much that gets overlooked. You know, mm -hmm. people get so caught up in the day to day and it's so easy to, right? That, that whirlwind, that hairball, you got to orbit the hairball though. And mm -hmm. you just got to dip down in it when you can and come right back out and look at the big picture because it is important and it can derail an organization or a company if you don't, mm -hmm. if you're not ready. Yeah, that's amazing. So what dreams and desires do you have? We've talked about problem solving. We've talked about um, your finding your why and stuff. Looking forward into the future, do you have any dreams and desires for this area? 
long-term vision, things you personally want to impact, or maybe you don't personally see an avenue for yourself to impact it, but you would love to see it happen in this area? Yeah, big, big question. Wow. So my girlfriend and I just bought our first house. Um, so that that's big, you know, with these low interest rates, <laughs> it, it was finally a, a good time where we could afford it. Um, so, you know, we definitely have roots here and we, you know, want to, um, want to continue living in this area. And with that, I think it's, you know, it's a responsibility of ours to get as involved as we can with the community and, and figure out what the issues are, um, how we can best support with our skills, um, and how we can begin to solve those issues. So one of those, this super cool community. So, you know, I'm a musician and so I look for open mics and stuff to, to play out all the time. Cause I just have a blast. Um, but the, this awesome community that I found, um, they run an open mic at Stella's in Grand Rapids. And it's the, the Drunken Retort uh, Poetry Slam. And they have everyone come out. It's just like super diverse uh, culture. There's you know people from all backgrounds there sharing their stories, sharing their poems, their music, their comedy. I mean, all these things. And it is like, it's such a good pulse for um, West Michigan to find out how you know how fellow young people are feeling and as somebody new to the west michigan area you know you you, you got to get a pulse on that stuff so you can get involved right so um a big thing i do outside of kids food basket is i try and volunteer at one of my favorite organizations and that's artists creating together or act and they do um arts and arts access uh, for people um, of all abilities um so uh, there's a lot of people there who are um on the uh, um, autism spectrum that are there. There are some people who have uh, physical disabilities as well. Um, and we teach them music and uh, art. It's really cool. I've been able to go to the, the veterans home and uh, play in a drum circle with people who served in World War II, you know, like crazy stuff like that. So, um, you know, just looking for more things uh, like that in the West Michigan area where I can, uh, just hang out with the community and try to support if I can. Right. Yeah. That's wonderful. And it's wonderful that the community has got those activities and those avenues and yeah. those opportunities as well. That's a blessing. Cool. Any last things you want to leave the young professionals and other listeners to this podcast with before we close this podcast up? <laughs> Imposter syndrome is normal. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Amen to that. <laughs> You're going to feel it. You're going to feel it at times and just stick through it. You know, you, as cliche as it sounds, you are unique um, and your skills uh, definitely have merit and value. So, I mean, Amen. I don't know. I hope that's at least a little bit inspirational. And I hope when I go back to listen to this, then I will inspire myself. It'd be a good reminder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. So, <laughs> So, Evan, is there, if anybody wanted to connect with you at Kids Food Basket, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, you can uh, email me at evan.paskowski uh, at kidsfoodbasket.org. So it's E-V-A-N.P-A-Z-K-O-W-S-K-I at kidsfoodbasket.org. And I'm available at all times. Uh, so just let me know. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, listeners, for another episode of Hot Off the Hip. And this is Hot Off the Hip, signing off.